Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Connect My Tech and Navman. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you missed this week uh, in Sydney particularly, there was a pretty major accident on the Sydney Harbour Bridge. And the reason I'm talking about that is because when that accident took place, I immediately heard about this on the radio and the traffic reports. Um, when the Harbour Bridge has an accident like it did, it is it almost becomes national news because it's one of the biggest landmarks, one of the biggest roads that come into the city connect the CBD to the rest of New South Wales or Sydney in most cases. But the fascinating thing here, and the reason I'm talking about it now is because when it happened, the way that there was, it was a head-on collision and the way the cars fell or ended up at the end of that collision made people believe that one of the vans which was involved was actually the vehicle at fault. And it was continually reported that it looked like the van had crossed into oncoming traffic and had collided with this SUV. And it was interesting to hear that dialogue go on. Later in the day, dash cam footage became available. And it clearly showed this speeding SUV go past this vehicle with a dash cam, swerve into an oncoming lane and collide head on with the van. The van was not at fault whatsoever. And the reason this is important is exactly what I've been preaching for many, many years now is that the dash cam is your biggest source of truth. That people driving those vehicles may not be able to recall what actually happened. When they do come back to consciousness, they're actually both okay, which was amazing. Um, but when they do come back to, when they start being interviewed about what happened, they may not have a clear idea. Now, obviously in this case, plenty of witnesses on the Sydney Harbour Bridge, but that dash cam footage became something that was so clear and evident that the van was not at fault. And with all of the after effect of people saying, well, it looked like the van was at fault because it ended up in the other lane and things like that, it starts to prove that dash cams are that perfect witness. And I cannot emphasize enough how important it is that you have one in your vehicle. Um, and Navmen have an amazing range. I've been using them. I continue to use them in my vehicles and I'm constantly testing different models as well. Their entire range doesn't have to be $500. You can be spending two, $300 on a very good dash cam from Navman. You just need to go to navman.com.au. Look at their entire range. Camera on the front, ideally a camera on the back as well. It records GPS tagging. It it records your speed and it makes sure that as soon as you turn that car on, it's constantly ready to go and recording. A very important lesson. Glad everyone was safe from all of that. But when it comes to saying who was right and who was wrong, that dash cam is indisputable. And it's worth people looking. If you haven't seen the dash cam footage of that accident, please go and check it out. Um, it's scary to see. No one ever wants to be in that situation. But knowing that it was being recorded and it was something that could really prove who was right or wrong at the end is extremely important. So do check it out. Anyway, head to navman.com.au and look at their entire range. Let's get on with the show. Rasim Brasma, Jeff Quattromani, multi-Australian in Sydney. Tech expert, Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani, thank you very much from Sydney. Jeff Quattromani is here. And now it's time to talk technology with Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani. Hello everybody, thanks for tuning in. What the heck? Let's talk tech. Now, this evening, this morning, whenever it is that you are listening to this show, just know that I have a glass of red wine in front of me, and it's delightful. It's especially delightful because I've just gone to the internet, the World Wide Web, to find out a bit more about the wine that I opened this evening and the wine that I chose, and kind of wish that I maybe didn't open it on a Thursday night. Um, it's actually, I had no idea, it's a $150 bottle. Not something I would probably just open on a whim. Uh, it's from Cullen Wines. Uh, this is quite impressive. It's called the Diana Madeline. It's a blend, 80% Cabernet Sauvignon, 12% Merlot, 4% Malbec, 3% Cab Franc, and 1% Petit Verdot. This is a really 
lovely, soft and gentle red. Um, not ripping your face off. Very gentle, very easy to drink. Uh, it's a 2011, so I probably shouldn't have opened a 10-year-old, 12-year-old bottle, 11-year-old bottle of wine um, tonight. But here we are. Turns out 98 points by somebody. Um, it's a very good wine. I don't know if I would actually spend that kind of money on the bottle. Um, I can't find it in stock anymore because it is such an old vintage. But anyway, these are the things we do. I guess for me, uh, we are at the, I guess, on the downward of our flood situation. I think last week I mentioned how much it was raining and things like that. Uh, we really have seen a huge flood come through the Hawkesbury, which is where, where I'm talking to you from. And our property probably was around 90, 95% um, underwater, uh, which was quite, quite crazy to look at where you have normally a very long view of paddocks and it turned into an ocean view basically. And it was quite crazy that every morning you wake up and you see ducks swimming by rather than horses in the paddock. It's just very bizarre. Uh, fortunately, the house has been completely fine and I'm able to um, stand here dry and talk to you. And obviously my thoughts go to those who um, have been impacted in a much more negative way than I have. Now, I need to start the show with an apology. I don't normally do this. It's one of the things I'm not very good at is, uh, is saying sorry in any case, um, whether it's personal or professional. I had some feedback from a few listeners, actually, uh, which was good to see. I love, I love the feedback, positive or negative. This was all quite negative, but it's a, it's a good point. Uh, last week, I spoke about the internet outage uh, where two main lines were cut, uh, basically separating Tasmania from the rest of the world from an internet connectivity perspective. And I made some jokes. I made some jokes about Tasmania in that uh, all five people, I think I might have said, would have been impacted. You can go back and listen to the show if you want to. Um, and I made some comments that may have made Tasmanians feel um, isolated or, um, I don't know, offended. And I, I completely apologize for that. I love Tasmania. I think it's a beautiful place. I have never been to Tasmania, but I would like to. And to all, I'm looking at Wikipedia, all 541,000 people in Tasmania, I apologize if you were offended. Um, it was not my intention. My intention was to talk about the uh, internet outage that was quickly resolved. And I forgot to mention that piece, which was quite important. Uh, but I just want to say I apologize to anybody that was offended. And I well and truly mean that. That's not the point of my show. Now, let's move on. Let's get on with some tech. I think I think it's been a number of minutes that you've been listening. And what you're here for, probably hear some tech news and some product reviews. We have had a pretty big week in tech. So this week, we're going to talk about a number of things. First of all, we're talking about balloons. We're talking about some balloons that are providing internet access in Tanzania. We're going to talk about some massive updates that are coming to the Google Pixel phones. If you've got a Google Pixel, uh, you're going to be very excited about the updates that are coming uh, direct to your devices. Adidas has launched a new product that I think I might have to almost buy to try um, or find out who I can get one from because it's, I can't wait to tell you more about that. I'm going to do, obviously do our sponsorship update with Connect My Tech, uh, but then we're going to talk about a couple of other things. Ever wondered what the oinks mean from the pigs? Well, seems like scientists have actually figured out what the oinks mean. And we're going to tell you a little bit more about how they've decoded that. We'll talk about what Disney Plus is doing, some changes coming there. But obviously, the big part of the show, as we run through all of that news, we will wrap up with all of the announcements from the event this week with Apple, um, talking about new iPhone, new iPad, new Mac, well, not Mac, Mac Studio, uh, a ton of products. There's so much to discuss. And I want to get into it right now. All of the other formalities are out of the way. Can we just talk tech now? Let's do that. Now, kicking off this week with something that I found just super fascinating was 
in, in Tanzania, and obviously in a lot of countries in Africa, internet access isn't actually available wherever you go. And I think probably in Australia, where I am, it's kind of assumed that if I don't have access through Wi-Fi, I can always use 4G or 5G and I'm good. I can pretty much act internet access wherever I go. But in some countries, that's just not the case. The internet is not a known or common thing. It's, a, it's very much not just a luxury, but it's a rarity. And there's been some interesting news this week from a company called Atlas, who are going to be deploying what look like blimps, you know, very small blimps that they will use to put up in the sky and use almost like a point-to-point um, Wi-Fi connectivity where these blimps will have their own broadcast, but each blimp will be connected, obviously back to a main central point that can provide internet access, but it's almost like having floating mesh networks effectively where this Wi-Fi will be able to stretch across hundreds and hundreds of kilometers, but it will be all carried point to point with these blimps. Some of these blimps will be tethered, meaning that they'll actually be physically tied um, to the ground, but they'll be still extremely high in the sky, up to a kilometer from the tethered units. But then there'll also be some that are actually using propulsion and they can go up to 12 to 20 kilometers in the sky and then provide a wider bandwidth. The higher the blimp goes, the wider the bandwidth in terms of distance coverage, but obviously the slower the speed. So the more smaller, lower blimps, the better the connectivity is. But if you start to think of a bit of, bit of a system where you raise some of them very high, but in denser areas, you have more lower blimps, you actually provide this amazing mesh network in the sky. And uh, this company called Atlas is starting to work on this. They're targeting Tanzania first for whatever the main reason is, but it's just incredible to see. You know, in other parts of the world, we're seeing in the Ukraine where Starlink is being deployed to people in, left in the Ukraine who need internet connectivity, and that's being done through satellite, through low-level satellites. This is just another way of doing it. Which one's actually the cheapest or the best way to do it? I'm not sure. The blimp situation effectively means that you don't need to have power to be um, accessing that connectivity, whereas with a satellite, you need to power the actual base station. But obviously, the person down at the other end needs to have a smartphone or a computer, which probably needs to receive power as well. So it's a fascinating concept. I almost would love to actually see what this is like on the ground. What actually happens? What are the people in Tanzania doing? I mean, if they don't have internet access, what devices are they using um, or are planning on using to actually access the internet when it becomes available through this system from Atlas? It makes you really remember um, I guess how fortunate you are to be listening to a podcast that you've downloaded, probably didn't even think about the fact that you downloaded whatever, maybe 40, 50 meg of this episode in a split second. It's available on your smartphone, you're streaming it, whatever it is, how quickly we take that for granted, just like, you know, as if it was electricity, we just assume that it's going to be there, just like the plumbing in our taps. Um, there's so many countries that are still not connected properly to the internet. And that just is amazing that there's companies like this doing that. And it's just, it's always worth talking about. And I want to follow this a bit closer as it starts to develop because I think it's, uh, I think it's an important story to tell. Now, Adidas. Um, I mean, I used to wear Adidas a lot as a kid. I guess it just fit into my culture uh, to wear Adidas. And I mean, they had those, remember those button up tracksuits with the buttons down the side? That was like, I guess that was just key Adidas back then. But how about this? They're starting to bring out headphones. And I don't think it's the first time that they've done headphones. I've just never bothered to try them because when a sports brand makes electronics, you kind of wonder where it fits properly. But 
over-ear and in-ear headphones are coming to Australia uh, from Adidas. They're going to start from $175 up to $329. And would you believe it that the one that I want to test most, unfortunately, is the most expensive one. Now, it is the over-ear. It's got the band across the top of the head. Um, so it is a proper bigger pair of headphones. It's probably one that you're probably going to be seeing people in the gym lifting weights wearing them. It's just what you see these days. Um, however, the reason that these are so exciting to me isn't the design. They look very sporty. I get that. The reason these are interesting to me is because they can be recharged through solar. So the band, the band that goes over your head, has a solar panel built in that can help recharge the battery. And that basically means that you could be wearing this outside, going for a walk, and maybe even come back with the same amount of charge in the headphones than what you're left with, potentially even more. That is an amazing idea. Now, given that they are over-ear headphones, you don't really want to wear them outside on a summer's day because your ears will melt inside the ear cups. But the idea that potentially on a winter's day when you're wearing them maybe to keep your ears warm and you've got the, the band exposed to the sun, there's a chance you could be actually recharging your headphones. And I love that idea. I love it. I love the idea that wearable tech could recharge itself. Could we see that eventually in watches? Could we see that eventually in fitness trackers? You tell me. I just love the idea. So watch this space from Adidas. When it does come out, I will try my best to get my hands on a pair and actually see whether the solar recharging actually has an impact because I'm worried that if the solar panel is so small and you're only exposing it for maybe an hour at a time, is it really enough to keep that battery juice up at level? Will it even help it recharge or will it just be enough to... I don't know, slow down the, the rate of drain. I'm not sure. Um, so I'm fascinated to watch the space on that one. Now, do you have a Google Pixel phone? Um, I'm still using the 6 Pro and I genuinely love this device. I think it's such a really good smartphone. Um, having just sent back the S22 Ultra, uh, again, a fantastic phone, but sometimes the skin or the additions that other brands make to the Android operating system kind of hamper it in some ways. And I love clean Android. I love what Google does. I just give it to me the way that Google intended. And that's what they do with the, uh, with the Pixel range. And the camera is, is still extremely exceptional on this device as well, which I really enjoy. But every month they drop some new features and there's some amazing features that are coming for uh, all Pixel phones, uh, particularly obviously the Pixel 6. But hear me out. I can't wait for, to see this feature plus so many more features that you're going to see roll out to Android in general in the future. First of all, communicating with captions. This is essentially if you cannot speak during a call, and it could be because it's too noisy where you're speaking, you'll actually be able to type while you're on the phone text into the call and a voice, the Google Assistant voice, will read that to you. When the person speaks back to you, you'll see that appear as text live. So it'll be live transcribing it into the call and it could be just you typing back saying, really noisy where I am right now, what's up? And they'll hear the Google Assistant voice say that back. And then they might respond saying, what time do I want me to pick you up or whatever the case is? And you could respond back. Obviously, those who are hearing impaired, an amazing advantage in itself. But um, if you think about others who, who are fortunate enough to be able to actually take a call, um, this is something that could really help you in a noisy situation or even in a meeting or whatever the case may be, you could just be communicating via text and that person who tried ringing you didn't have to leave a voicemail, text you back and blah, blah, blah. It's all happening within that call. How cool is that? Now, what about this? 
there's so much more. <laughs> so what about this one? Translation. There's another method coming back to this. So you could basically so say something like, hey, Google, be my Spanish interpreter. And immediately it will be able to live translate everything that it's hearing or use the camera to start translating on the fly. And all you've done is, oh, my phone's looking back at me. It's, it's, it's trying to talk back. I'll try and ignore that. Um, and you can have this live interpreter very, 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 very handy. So there's that coming up as well. The other thing that we're going to start seeing is another feature called direct my call and wait times. Now, first of all, wait times, let me just quickly get into that. What that basically means is that when you make a call, especially when you usually get put on hold, um, wait time will actually estimate the amount of time that you're about to be put on hold for. And after you finish that call, that data gets shared back to Google. And that means that before you make that call to whatever company it is, you're going to get this um, feedback from Google to say, look, wait times are normally X. Hang on the phone and you'll be able to start speaking to somebody. It just gives you an idea of what you're about to jump into. So I think that's very smart. The other part, which is really cool as well, is a feature called direct my call. Direct my call will basically mean that you could be seeing on screen those automated voice prompts. Press one for this, press two for this. You know, sometimes I listen to like five voice prompts and I think, oh gosh, what was the one I was actually supposed to choose? Was it one? Was it two? You'll see it on screen, which means that you can actually then select it live on your phone while they're talking. You could be going, oh, there's my full list in front of me as they've broken it out. Hit the, hit the one, whatever it is, and it will start to do that. So just another way that if you are going to be on hold, that you can deal with those menu systems a bit better as well. So hang in there. If you're a Pixel user, um, get excited because these are, these are updates that are coming from the 3A upwards. So even older Google Pixel phones, we're getting that update, and that is such a massive benefit. Anyway, let's have a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Now, when it comes to getting advice on all things tech related, especially your monthly plans for phones, internet, Foxtel, etc., you can be listening to this podcast and I'll give you all the advice that I can whenever I can. But if you want personal face-to-face help, Connect My Tech has been an amazing company that has spawned out to really get into people's faces and really help them with all of their tech problems. Now, what I mean by this is that there are so many people who are on old phone plans, old Foxtel plans, old internet plans, and they haven't had somebody step in and say, let me just take a look and see if we can actually save you some money, get you more benefits and help you out along the way. There are so many things out there, especially when you think about from a Foxtel point of view, your mobile phone, are you really on the right plan? Are you getting the most benefits that you could be? And Connect My Tech has been really interesting because if you go to their website and read read the blog that, that they have been working on, Patrick's been running this website really well because you do get to see these posts. And one of the things that he pointed out that I didn't know about myself was that Optus NBN plans have changed. Fetch TV is no longer included on Optus NBN plans. And I didn't know that happened. Obviously, Fox uh, Optus isn't going to make a big announcement about that either. But you can now start to see what the inclusions are. What are you really going to get when you sign up to a, no, a new Optus NBN plan. Just because Jimmy down the road signed up to Optus NBN and he got a Fetch Mini or a Fetch Mighty, that doesn't mean that you will now anymore. Patrick is in touch with this stuff. So if you are somebody who is maybe confused with your options, you've been sitting on plans that are old, or your parents or loved ones do, and you just don't want to get involved with helping them, get them in touch with Patrick. Seriously, the low fees that he's charging, it seems like a bit of a crazy deal, but it's worth going to his website, look at the services that he offers and see if you can save a buck or make your plans even better. Because if you've got $1, 
Patrick at Connect My Tech is going to make sure that that goes as far as humanly possible. And every conversation I've had with him has proven that he is helping customers and he's got some amazing stories to tell as well. As you would have heard last week, there's more to come in the future as well. So head to connectmytech.com.au and make sure you take that $1 as far as possible. Now, where I live, I don't have pigs. I have normally five horses down in the back paddock and sometimes they make noises and I don't know what those noises mean. But if I had pigs, there is now the University of Copenhagen who has tried to decipher and decode the grunts and the oinks of the pigs. Now, I didn't know this was the problem that we needed to solve. I thought Dr. Harry Cooper was doing just a fine job in helping fix all the pets' problems as they arose. However, the university has stepped in and said, we are going to use artificial intelligence to analyze the acoustic signatures of 7,414 pig calls, which they've recorded from 400 animals. Now, they say animals. I think they should have just said pigs because I'm hoping that's where they got all the pig sounds from, unless they just got some people to stand in a corner and pretend they were pigs. Let's just assume all 400 of them were actual pigs. They've done that. They've taken all of that situation. They've also then put the pigs in situations which should make them happy, such as feeding them, providing them with toys, and giving them a happy environment. I don't know how they also deciphered the negative sounds. Did they do anything to the animals to make them let out a negative sound? That's not clear in the study. They talk about how they tested for good sounds. So I think there may be some you know, behind-the-scenes animal cruelty issues going on here to try and understand what's positive and negative. But I've been to the Royal Easter Show. I've seen pigs, seen them, seen them many times. You can usually tell when they're happy. You can usually tell when they're upset. They're pretty happy when they're just eating. And you hear them make some noises when they're doing that. And you can hear when they're pretty unhappy when the farmers are trying to move them because they need to go on show or they need to go and do something when they were happily eating. So what the university has found, though, is that when they measured all 7,414 calls, they found that those high-pitched squeals, those short, high-pitched squeals are negative. Those low-pitched grunts and barks, which were heard across the board, those short grunts, are a sign of good contentment. Again, when I was at the Royal Easter Show, when you hear them eating, and they're they're eating their whatever it is, those sounds, those short sounds, little grunts, happy. Who would have thought? Those squealing sounds, like if you're pulling their tail, not happy. I'm glad that we have artificial intelligence to tell us what that is because I may have figured that out. My son may have figured that out when he was just standing there watching at the Royal Easter Show. Thank you to the University of Copenhagen. We now know that when they're happy, they make short sounds. When they're sad or when they're angry, they let out loud noises. Who would have thought? Like a dog. Who would have thought that a very aggressive bark is not a sign of happiness? Maybe they need to pass that to the University of Copenhagen to figure out as well. Now, when it comes to streaming services, I always start to think, which one can I cancel next? Um, I have had all of them at some point or another, and now I'm actually down to probably one. I canceled Netflix, canceled Stan, uh, don't have Disney Plus. I have Amazon Prime because I use it so much for shopping that the TV side just makes sense. And I'm pretty happy with that. Oh, and I, I use Foxtel, so I pay a monthly Foxtel subscription as well. Um, and that kind of makes me happy. I've got enough catch-up TV through 7 and 9 now and 10 play and things like that. There's a lot of content there as well. I don't need to be paying for more services than I need. Once I, once I finished binging a show that I wanted to watch, 
I cancel it. I cancel the subscription. Why let it roll to the next month if there's nothing there that I need to watch? I pay attention to the coming next um, sections, those articles that a lot of publications write these days. What's coming up next month on Netflix? What's coming up next month on Stan? I pay attention to that because if it's something good, I'll sign up for a month when it comes out. I'll pay the 10 bucks and I'll cancel again. Now, Disney Plus is looking at launching an ad-supported tier. So what that means is that you may still pay a fee, albeit very small, but you may have an ad at the start or in the midway of the show that you're watching. Now, what that basically means, it's almost like free-to-air TV content. However, it would be shows that you're actually wanting to watch when you want to watch them. And I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I don't really need Disney+. Plus. But if I had it and I paid a couple of bucks, I'd probably pay it. And it would just be sitting there in the background and it would be one of those libraries that I go and check out whenever I felt like it. Maybe there's something that I could watch. I think that makes sense. I would, I'd be all for an ad-supported Stan, Netflix and others, which maybe does provide a lower quality content or even a, a limited library. But give me something. Play some ads. I'm okay with that. I don't pay for YouTube Premium anymore. I had that too. Now I just don't mind. Give me the pre-roll ad. Whatever. I'll watch the 30 seconds. I'll even check my phone while the ad is playing. Um, Let me know what you think about that. I think it's a really smart move, and I hope that Disney Plus does go ahead and do it. Now, we're going to talk about the Apple announcements, plenty of them. Let's talk about them. And one of the ones I'm going to quickly start with, since we were talking about streaming services, Apple TV Plus is getting into sport. A few weeks ago, maybe even a month or so ago, I talked about this, and I talked about the fact that they could be doing a deal um, with Major League Baseball, and it turns out they are. Friday Night Games will be coming to Apple TV+. Plus. So if you're a subscriber, you'll have access to watch the games live, obviously also on demand after the case. Um, but here we are. A company as big as Apple has obviously realized that they can outbid other sporting um, broadcasters and so on to get the rights to sport. And that means that somebody would potentially have Apple TV Plus just to watch that sports and obviously get the other benefits along the way. But I think we're going to start to see a bit of a land grab. Multiple companies will start to think about doing this. Netflix, for example, they have Drive to Survive, one of the most popular sports programs on a streaming service. It's an amazing look back at the season that's just been in Formula One, very behind the scenes look at what went on without actually showing you too much of what happened in the race. Imagine if Netflix's next step, next logical step, would be to just bring the Formula One to their platform. Netflix is a global platform. If they were to sign the deal with Formula One to bring F1 to their streaming service, they could go global at a flick of a switch. And that would be an incredible thing. It means a couple of things. 4K content for the F1 across the board. Anything that they would choose, they could choose how to send it out. They could choose how to manage that content. Looking at back catalogs, looking at anything else, they could do it. If you think about what KO can do at the moment for Formula One and other sporting codes, imagine that going to Netflix on a global level. KO is just in Australia. So I think we're going to see a big land grab for sporting rights in market. I think we're going to see platforms really start to consider where they can take, even if it's just one thing like the Friday night baseball, how they can start to build that market, see what's working, see what goes well. Is it attracting a new audience? If so, what next? It's a big play from Apple. I think it's just going to be the beginning of many more to come. But Apple announced so many other things, and some good, some bad, some interesting. Now, last year, we heard about the M1 processor. The M1 processor was Apple's first foray, I guess, into making their own processors moving away from Intel. And it was a big deal. 
the power that we started to be told about was exceptional. Whether you experience that power is, is really another question because if you're just buying your MacBook Pro with an M1 chip so that you can browse the web and send emails, maybe you won't be noticing that processing power. But if you ask someone who is using their computer to really work hard to create content or edit content, then maybe you would. They then announced a new chip, the M1 Ultra. I mean, Samsung would be rolling around. They took the Ultra and they put it on one of their own chips. And the M1 Ultra chip is bigger, better, more powerful. I mean, who would have thought? There's not a lot more to say here, except that it's just an incredibly powerful processor. And we're going to start to see that on more devices, which they then started to announce. The Mac Studio is a small box, you know, a very small box, kind of the size of a Netgear Nighthawk mesh router. I only say that because I've got one near me. Um, It's a small box. It's a very small box. It's like a cube. Um, almost like the Nintendo Cube, if I have to give you something that's more relevant to picture. All made of you know, this stainless steel looking case. Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. It's got the option of an M1 Ultra chip um, up to 64 gig, 400 gigabits per second processing. That's an insane figure. This thing is a workhorse. Um, up to 8 terabyte SSD drive. <laughs> It can handle five displays. It has six Thunderbolt ports, which is a great, great thing, by the way. That's a really good thing. It still has an SD card slot. Amazing. These are things that most people have been asking for when they talk about important computing, important computing power. It's got a 10 gigabit Ethernet port. Again, we're upgrading everything that you've ever thought about. So it's a credible machine. It's just a beast. It's just a beast. Now, with that said, with that said, it starts from $3,099, just the box. No keyboard, no mouse. It may come with a power cord, no monitor. So at three grand, this is a computer that isn't for mum and dad. It's not really for you. It's for someone who is having to pay for this with somebody else's money. As in, it's their business or somebody else's business and they're managing to score one for work. Um, It's an incredible machine, but it's just worth talking about. The power that Apple is starting to put in these small computers is just getting incredible. Taking it one step further, they also announced a display that would go with it called the Studio Display. Studio Display, 27-inch screen, not huge, but 27 inches is reasonable. It's a 5K display, so the resolution is incredible again. It has a 12-megapixel camera. Um, It's an ultra-wide camera with center stage, which means that if you're using it as a webcam um, and you're on a call, if you shift to the left, shift to the right, it will essentially follow you, almost like the Jabra Panacast webcam can do. Um, It it does that inside the monitor, which is really handy. Six speakers, spatial audio capabilities. It almost sounds like an iPhone, basically. Um, I think the big part here is that those that use monitors for professional purposes, especially if you're looking at color accuracy and things like that, this monitor will make a lot of sense to people. However, this comes at a cost, $2,499. And that's just the monitor. That is just the monitor. What on earth? That is insane money for a monitor. Now, let's get on to things that people might actually afford or might actually buy. We heard about a new iPad Air. 
Um, new iPad Air, great news. I think the iPad Air is the most desirable tablet that people should be looking at when they're in the market for something like that. However, this isn't necessarily a cheap iPad. There are other iPads in the range that are cheaper than this, but this is one of those perfect sweet spots where it's not necessarily the iPad Pro, which has potentially more power than you actually need, um, but it does hit that nice spot where you've got plenty of power, 10.9 inch screen. Um, it's it looks it looks really really nice. No home button, very sleek unit, rear camera, camera on the front, um, you know stereo speakers and mics, all that sort of stuff. We're looking about 900 bucks for the Wi-Fi version. A bit disappointed that the base storage is 64 gig. I would have preferred that to start a bit higher these days. I mean, a tablet is probably something that you will have more content on, especially if you think about movies that you're planning on watching. If you're watching a lot of content offline, maybe going on a flight, 64 gig seems a little bit light, but it's there. It now comes in 5G, which was something that Apple was making a big deal about at the end or during most of their sessions. 5G, 5G, 5G was a big thing that they kept repeating. I get it. 5G is important. Speaking of 5G, they announced the new iPhone SE. It's now in the third generation and it looks the same. It looks the same year on year on year now. That's three generations of the iPhone SE with the home button still there. The big piece of plastic at the top still there. I don't know what it will take, or I don't know how many secondhand or over-manufactured they were on the iPhone 6 or the iPhone 7, whatever the heck it looks like in that day, but they just keep using the same case, and it's bothering me. I mean, I get it. Apple wants to make an affordable iPhone. I get it. But why does it have to have the body of a device that's now, what is it, six, seven years old? That doesn't make sense. When Samsung and other brands are making smartphones brand new with brand new designs starting from $250, how can Apple justify the iPhone SE Gen 3 looking like a device that is at least six or seven years old? Why? There is no reason on this planet for that to continue. I just don't understand it. Now, there, there is some good news because underneath that dated cover is the A15 processor. So it has now got the power of a modern day smartphone. It has got the performance of a modern day smartphone. The camera on the back is still a single lens. The camera on the front is still a single lens. It now has 5G. So again, some of those internal components are impressive. It's got Wi-Fi 6. Nice. It's got NFC. It's got GPS. These are good things. It still has the headphone jack. There is a number of things in this device that make it look as dated as possible. And I just don't get it. I just do not get it. Um, now, the good news, it starts at $719. That's for 64 gigs of storage, $799 for 128 gigs of storage, and $969 for 256 gig. Yes, it is the affordable iPhone, but I'm pretty sure if you went online today, you could find someone selling a refurbished or very near new iPhone 12 for that much money. And I just don't know if I could ever recommend this iPhone to anybody. And I know there's a lot of people out there who are promoting this product and saying that it is the iPhone for your teenager. It is the iPhone for you know, your mom or whatever, but not when it looks this old. Not when it does. I'm sorry, 
I cannot, I cannot encourage this device. I cannot encourage this continuing madness of having a device that looks the same three generations in a row. Where does it end? When does it start to deserve to get the updates that it should have? The updated camera f- for me, not having a dual lens or, or a tri-lens camera on the back means that even if it is, this is a phone for your mom, she's not going to take the best photos. And I can tell you from experience, if you've got kids and you ever have their grandparents look after them or spend time with them, don't you want their photos to come out good? Because they will take photos of the grandkids. Don't you want those, those photos to be nice photos? Why would you give them a phone that has a camera that's dated? I don't get it. I don't get it. So that's the, that's the real crux of the announcements from Apple. Not a lot of excitement for most people. And I say that because if you were someone that was in the market for an iPhone SE, great. You got another iPhone SE. It looks the same, just slightly upgraded. Cool. If you were in the market for something extremely high end, that's a very small market. Those who can afford to spend seven, eight thousand dollars on their computing setup, it's a very small market. So that would have excited a very small portion of people. For everybody else, what were we left with? An iPad that most people don't either need or want. The iPad, the tablet market in itself has reduced dramatically. Not many people are rushing out to buy tablets these days. The Major League Baseball thing, which I opened the section with, may be the most exciting part because it gives you a hint as to where Apple TV Plus may be moving in the future. Beyond that, that's it. That's the announcement. Um, Very expensive products or a very affordable product that you shouldn't buy. That's the entire Apple announcement. And it does disappoint me. I always hope for that one more thing. I would have loved to have seen new AirPods, especially the AirPods Pro getting a replacement. The MacBook Air still looks as old as its first generation as well. Maybe since Johnny Ivey left, they've just lost some design ideas. Maybe he deleted some files when he left. I don't know. But something's not right at Apple for it to continue to make the iPhone SE look the exact same for so long. It just does not make sense. Now, You've been an amazing audience. I hope I haven't offended anybody today. And if I have, you know where to write. Um, Unfortunately, someone even left me a review um, of two stars because of the comments I made about Tanzania, I mean, Tasmania. So please, if you do have any concerns, you know you can reach me. And I appreciate those who did. And I acknowledged all of them individually um, and obviously at the start of the show as well. So have an amazing week. Look after yourselves. Stay dry. And I'll speak to you again next week. Bye-bye.